0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: For 18 years, I've truly been blessed to be a Pacer and a Hoosier.
2: You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast, with Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Karis LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is.
0: skies high
2: for the jam. Kyle pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the on, ball. Go. Brogdon for three. Boom,
0: baby! <laughs> Duarte for three. <laughs> Sean Warren lets it fly yes TJ
1: Warren is not human Pacer Nation what is going on welcome back to another episode of setting the pace and we are excited today because we have on Chris Taneri in our second segment but before we get to that Fachi how are you doing brother
3: I am doing great but truthfully oh my god right before we were supposed to chat with Chris I had a work call come up I was dying inside (laughs) because all I wanted to do was talk Pacer, basketball, and here we are.
1: Yeah, it's like you were about to get snubbed from the conversation. Thankfully, Chris was gracious enough to push back the recording time. About 30, 40 minutes so far, you could finish up that call. But, you know, you were about to get snubbed from that interview. It was going to be a one-on-one with me and Chris. But, you know, you didn't get snubbed. But, unfortunately, Chris Duarte was snubbed from the All-Summer League team patch. Oh man, that one hurt
3: because I really did feel like he could place at least on the All-NBA uh, so, you know, summer League second team. And I just felt like I was like, ah, you know what? Here's where I'm trying to justify it. Some of those guys on that on those teams are not rookies. I think if you just strictly went by the rookies, I think he probably would have placed. I know there's guys like Obi Toppin is on there. Um there was there was a few other ones That um, it might have been Emmanuel quickly, not sure, but I know Obi Toppin was on there. Um, So I really feel like he could have squeezed in at maybe the second team. But regardless, the fact that he was in the running shows that he had a pretty good summer league. I saw what I needed. And you know what, Alex, maybe he's one of those guys that uses this as a chip on his shoulder to say, hey,
1: I've been overlooked my whole life. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, it's one of those things I don't think he's gonna use summer league. Is that? I don't Hachi. think he is either, but man, you know he, what? You'd, I'm be fired crack, up. you'd be cracking me up the last two episodes. This now he's gonna get you know he's gonna get fired up because he got snuffed from the all-summer league team, and then he, he said you didn't trust it
3: in his locker. That's what he's gonna <laughs> do. You said
1: and my favorite part of last episode is you said that you didn't even trust keeper Sykes with the keys to the third string point guard. Hey, <laughs> <third laughs> it's harsh, it's almost like we're not even letting him in the building. But you know what? I'm not ready to give those keys up. <laughs> oh man, it had me rolling listening back to that. I didn't really hear what you said when we were going back live because I was thinking about my answers. And when I heard that, I, it just cracked me up. And I said, I got to, I got to text Fachi. This is hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> moving forward, speaking of the mailbag, sometimes I'm not really great about checking my emails. And our good friend and good listener of the show, Peter Hall, does not get on Twitter very often. He actually messaged me five questions for the mailbag, so we don't have to use them all. But I really liked all five of them, to be honest with you. So I, I told Fachi, I said, hey, I want to make it up to him. Let's answer these in this first segment before we bring Chris and Ari on. So Fachi, I sent you the questions. I'll let you go ahead and read the first one and give me your answer on it. Sure thing.
3: So for the first question, while nothing is a guarantee, let's just assume Isaiah Jackson does become at least a role player in the NBA. What process would you take to develop him and what do you think the time frame will be for him to get the significant minutes in NBA?
1: Yeah, answer that for me, Faji.
3: So I would just say, I think in order to develop him properly, I think he should spend the bulk of this season in the G league where he can dominate and not be rushed. Now, look, he has, without a doubt, a ton of potential and I'm very excited to see him when it comes down to, you know, real live NBA games, but that might be only a handful of minutes every now and then in some blowouts. And I I really feel like him being down in the G League can get his confidence sky high. He can work on his game without it being like, a, oh, why did he shoot that three-pointer? Or why did he take that mid-range jumper? That's not a smart shot. It's like, no, let him hone his game. So for year one, hey, let him
1: go down in the G League and just straight bully people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Scott Agnes put out a great article. He had a conversation with Chad Buchanan on the Fieldhouse file substack that he does. And I was reading that conversation, and I had no idea that this happened, and I'm going to ask Scott more about it when we have him on next week. But the G League actually playing a majority of their games in Indianapolis. They're still going to play 15 games in Fort Wayne, which is about two and a half, three hours away from Indianapolis. But they're going to have a lot of the majority of the games here and that way they can have practices here as well. And he, he talked about that, how they'll be able to like let Isaiah Jackson practice with the G League guys to see his development and not just get to watch video of how he plays in a game. So that could be really beneficial to his growth as a player. I, I'm really excited to see him. I think we saw flashes of what he can do. Some of the things he might need to work on, I guess this is our follow-up question number two. He said, what skills or skill sets would he have to develop in order to become a star? So I'll just kind of tie these two questions together here, Foch. I really think while he's got the timing down of shot blocking, he's got a good feel for the game. I think maybe developing a shot would be something that could really benefit him to becoming a star. Um, if he doesn't ever develop a shot that's consistent, you're maybe looking at a guy that's got like a Thad Young level peak, I guess you could say. Um, but I think he's way more athletic than Thad in, in different ways. Also, one of the other areas, he's just got to continue to build that frame up. I'm not sure what his ideal role is is in the NBA, whether it's a four or a five. Personally, I see him as a five. So give him two to three more years of just true development. I think he could really be a part of the rotation, especially if the Pacers decide that, hey, we're going to move on from Goga if he doesn't really flash in the next couple of years. And if Miles, whatever they do whenever his contract runs out, I think at that point, that's when you could see Isaiah Jackson get a bigger opportunity. Yeah, I love the fact that the Pacers acquired Jackson at
3: pick 22 and not pick 13 because then the expectations would be very heavy. It would be like, I got to see this guy right away, trade one of the bigs now. No, no, no. For right now, we can let him develop at his own pace. But when you toss around what, how could he develop into a star, if he's going to be a star, then he's got to add a consistent shot, just like you said, but also a just – more than respectable three-point shot. I'm not talking about that Sabonis three-point shot where, you know, it's like, hey, he made like five out of 12 this year. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about it would have to be a consistent, you know, at least maybe like 34%, something like that. But a consistent mid-range shot could help turn him into a star because we know that he could shot block. Yeah, hey, It looks looks like he could rebound. But also what I liked, and we talked about Chris Neri a little bit later on, um, earlier, um, his ability to finish lobs, that's something that we just – not everyone on the team has right now. If he mm-hmm. can be a lob guy, I think that that's an added element that can really just um, help him just keep his game going.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there, Fachi. Another thing I think he can work on too, we saw some nice passes from him. He has a good feel for the game, Continue to work on that. Maybe screen setting, I, I didn't really notice him being a terrible screen setter, but I didn't necessarily think it jumped off the page finding a way to position his body because I think that's something Sabonis really had to work on and he really crafted it by year three I believe in his NBA career knowing where and how to set screens in the NBA if he can continue to do that I think he's going to grow as a player like I said I don't have a clue what a ceiling is but I do think that there's a lot of potential there and I'm excited to see it untapped so so I want to move on to our next question we did answer the first two already we put those back to back so question three from Peter Hall While the Pacers did not have much free agent activity, I had a thought the other day that getting T.J. Warren back in the lineup was kind of like our free agent pickup. Additionally, if the thought is he will be a $20 to $25 million player, then it is like getting that caliber player in free agency. With that being said, what are your expectations for T.J. this year? What do you think it would take for him to make the leap to an all-star player? Faji, a lot to unpack there. Very long-winded question, but a lot of good details in there.
3: Hey, Peter, I love your glass-half-full approach. It's the perfect approach to take when the Pacers have a very quiet offseason that consisted of re-signing you know, T.J. McConnell and yet to make uh, the Tory Craig signing official. So, you know, then we we shift to, hey, Rick Carlisle was our big signing, but no. You know what? In this situation, we're saying that we're getting T.J. Warren back, which is huge because he only played four games last year. That was our leading scorer. So when you look at what he can do to maybe take his game to the next level, I feel like it's – you know, still being a consistent score, being consistent from three-point land. We saw his defense was improved. But can he also improve as a rebounder? Rebounding has really been a, a, um, a struggle for the Pacers for the last few years. And can he also facilitate a bit more? We know Warren can score. But I'm talking like this guy is rarely ever cracking two assists per game. I mean, it's like right in that 1.7 commonly. So can he maybe get his rebounds up from four to six assists, maybe from one and a half to three? Something like that I, I think can really take his game to that, that all-star cusp.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. In, to a sense, Peter, getting him back is like getting an all-star. I'm interested to see how he meshes with Karis LeVert. I know they have kind of similar games and where they're better with the ball in their hands, I believe. So we'll have to see how they work together. But we did see TJ Warren at times, especially during the bubble, just, you know, dominate shooting three. So if he can continue to develop that three-point shot and, and get that in at a consistent rate, I think he's going to be fine moving forward. 20 to $25 million, that, to me, that's not that much money in today's MBM. I and mean, really, if you look at our roster... So in the, the free agent class of 2022 right now is not that not that crazy good. So there could be some teams that offer a lot, but TJ likes it here. He wants to be here. So I hope the Pacers can do whatever they can to lock him up long-term because I think a lot of fans are excited about him. But one thing we haven't hit on yet, Faji, and that's just his availability. That's the most important ability that TJ Warren can bring to the team next year is just playing in all of the games because they need him out there on the court. For obvious reasons, he's their best option at the four if they want to go small. Probably their best wing defender in the starting lineup. So I really just feel like T.J. Warren's a guy that's going to have to continue to to figure out ways to manage the load that he's carrying throughout the season, stay healthy and be impactful. And for him to make a leap to an all-star level player, I think he's going to have to lead the team in scoring probably at 20 points or, or above for the season. And I think the Pacers are going to have to be in that three to four range in terms of seeding because they're going to have to, you know, earn that respect because there's a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference with a lot of loaded players. Right now you look at just the, the the projected top three teams with Miami, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn, and of course you got Philadelphia as well. There's a lot of really talented players in the Eastern Conference. So the Pacers might get one all-star. They barely got one last season. They're going to have to win as a team, get up into that top four range, hopefully earn some respect from, the rest of the coaching staffs in the uh, NBA, and, and maybe they can get one guy on. It might be Sabonis because he's got the resume, but I think if Warren can, can continue to be that defensive-minded player as well as lead the team in scoring, that could benefit him and get him an all-star bid.
3: Without a doubt. I mean, like you said, it, you can't count on having two all-stars if you're going to only be maybe in that six to eight range. So a lot of factors have to go into that. I just hope that he's healthy happy and ready to rock and Mm -hmm. it seems like he is so I'm very excited for that uh moving on Mm
1: -hmm. can I I don't think I answered what I think his expectations are for this year I don't know if you did either we had a lot to unpack here real quick I'm sorry but expectations I I think we need to tamper them a little bit just knowing that he's coming off the injury not really sure what to expect right away I say give him about uh eight to twelve games to kind of get himself back to who he once was, kind of get them a little bit of time to get acclimated with Karis LeVert and with Rick Carlisle's system, that to me is one thing I'm really looking forward to seeing. But other than that, I think expectations are for him to just be a guy that can really help this team win. If he can just repeat what he did two seasons ago, not even as great as he was in the bubble, just be as good as he was two years ago, I think that this team will be okay.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much just looking for vintage Warren. I mean, I don't know if he's really going to take his game to the next level in terms of averaging like 22 points per game or anything. There's a lot of mouths to feed. I think the Pacers have probably four guys that could give you 17 to 20 a night and Brogdon, Lavert, uh, Warren, and Sabonis. So it's going to be tough to really uh, have a career year for TJ Warren, but I think that's why if he can improve in other areas like facilitating, rebounding, getting to the free throw line more, I think that that's going to really be key in taking his game that next step.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I'll go ahead and let you move on to the next question. Sorry for uh, cutting you off there.
3: No worries. So uh, we had, if you and Fauci, so I'd say uh, if Alex and I could have one guest um, that you've never had on before, basketball or not, who would it be and why? Alex, you take it.
1: Man, I, I, I feel like I have to go with one basketball and one non-basketball just to make it more of a fun question. Okay. I would say for basketball, it would have to be Reggie Miller. I mean, yeah, this is the goat of the Indiana Pacers. so Undisputed. I would love to have him on. Um, I think someone that would be close up to that would either be Donnie Walsh or Herb Simon, just to kind of get their thoughts on how they built the team and how Herb Simon has kept the team in Indiana, why he's never moved it, kind of his – Desires to just keep Indiana basketball here, even though it's a smaller market and that kind of thing. And then in terms of non-basketball, this is a really tough one, Flatch. I'm not even sure. Um, one of my favorite actors is Tom Hanks. I know it has nothing to do with the Pacers, but I would love to just interview Tom Hanks. I think that'd be really fun. I also think because I know he'd be a great interview, Barack Obama.
3: Hey, interesting choices right over there. I mean, I'm I Reggie Miller was number one on my list. I mean, how could you How could you be a Pacer fan and not (laughs) want to interview Reggie Miller? I just think that that's something that, hey, who knows? Never rule it out. But uh, for a a consolation or my next pick over there in terms of basketball player, Danny Granger, I just think that that's – Oh, that's a good one. It just – it, like, hurts me how little we hear from Danny Granger because he was such a huge part of those, you know, those, like, mid-2000s teams. I mean, just really from 2005 – to Right until they traded him, like right around 2013. I mean, just such a huge part of the Pacers. So those would be my top two choices. And it's good that you said Tom Hanks, because my mind immediately went to, I've always loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if you were going to go <laughs> in a different route, I was going to think it was going to be the most random person I could think of. But that's that's who I would love to interview. I just... Man, I don't know where the conversation would go after the first couple minutes. It really wouldn't be probably too basketball-related, but that was my childhood hero outside of Jermaine O'Neal.
1: Wow, that's funny. Yeah, I am the another guy, I'm sorry, I just love this question. I think Denzel Washington would be really fun to talk basketball with, just talk anything with. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. And one of my other favorite actors of all time, in in terms of uh, guys that I've loved, Will Smith.
3: Oh, yeah, you can never go wrong with, with Will.
1: Yeah, you know, so there's Prince himself. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of guys that I would – a lot of people, I shouldn't just say just guys. There's a lot of people that I'd be fascinated with interviewing. But, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, if we can get Reggie Miller or Danny Granger on this podcast at some point, um, that would be fantastic. But, Fachi, let's move on. Peter wraps up his questions with, silly question, rank the Pacers team by who has the greatest odds to get tossed out of the game this year – I said, let's just do our top three. So who are your top three to get tossed? My my number
3: one, I'm going to go with Sabonis. I mean, this man oh, okay. is always complaining. <laughs> uh, last year, he just could not help himself from complaining. So he's due to get tossed. Um, number two, I put in Rick Carlisle. The head coach is always at risk, you know, yeah. of disagreeing and getting tossed. So Ooh, I'm going to go with that. Uh, spicy, oh, yeah. Fachi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going with Sabonis, Carlisle. And then number three, I'm going TJ Warren. I mean, hey. it's, just, it's just burned in my head, that scuffle with Jimmy Butler and him, <laughs> him flipping off the crowd. I mean, it's just very fresh. So, hey, you never know. And for an honorable mention, I'm going Goga. I just oh, feel come like on. Still this my is answers. someone who gets – I'm sorry I didn't see your list, but this is someone who gets frustrated. I mean, you know, after, <laughs> after how things went down, you know, telling assistant coach sit the you-know-what down, you never know what he's going to say.
1: Yeah, I, I had Goga as my number one because he is probably the most passionate. fiery guy on the team. If Jakar Sampson was still on the roster, I might have put him in this rotation as well. We saw him get ejected last year and got suspended for a game, I believe, as well. TJ Warren, you said it. He's already been ejected one time, so that could be a guy that's already been in there. Sabonis, he's a guy that I don't know if he'd get ejected, but he definitely would get two tacks. I could see that in the yeah. game, so that's that's very plausible. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, like, the only other person I could justify maybe getting ejected because of something is TJ McConnell, maybe just playing a little bit too aggressive and accidentally does something and it's viewed as like a flagrant one and he gets ejected just because it's a silly, you know, review that they do. I, I just, I couldn't really like think of like Miles or somebody like that, Brogdon, Laver, I just couldn't see those guys getting ejected. The only one that might be a wild card is Tory Craig.
3: Hey, you never know. Uh, the man's got to make the signing <laughs> official first, but then uh, after that, anything can happen.
1: <laughs> all right, Fachi. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by the voice of Bally Sports Network in the face of the Connecticut water, the one and only Chris Denary. We'll be right back after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's
1: going on, everybody? We are joined right now by the face of Connecticut water and the voice of Valley Sports. And it is Chris in joining setting the pace. Chris, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, Connecticut water was very tasty today because
2: uh, (laughs) it was very hot here in central Indiana, played a round of golf. uh, And and it was fun because I played with a couple of Hall of Famers from the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, Billy Shepard and Larry Bullington, who played at Ball State and then was the pike head coach uh, back in the mid 2000s. And then uh, Billy's brother, Steve, who I played against in high school. So yeah, I had a great time playing golf, uh, talking basketball. We talked a lot of Pacers, and uh, it
1: was hot enough that that Connecticut water really tasted good. Absolutely, yeah. No, I uh, I I am not a golfer, Chris. To be honest with you, I haven't really tried it out that much. I go to the driving range every once in a while just for fun to see how far I can hit the ball. But other than that, I've never really gotten into the nitty gritty of golfing. Maybe when I get older, I might start getting into it more. But Right now, I just uh, I just haven't got into it, but and I did watch Summer League instead of playing golf, and I'm yeah. sure you did too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, just watching those five games, and I'm curious some of your biggest takeaways from Summer
0: League.
2: Well, I mean, clearly, you look at the the two first round draft picks. Uh, what Chris Duarte did in his first four games, he didn't play in in the fifth. Um, 18 points per game, shot it at a high level, uh, just played with so much confidence, uh, handled the ball. Uh, defended everything you hear from Mike Weiner. He's he was a real leader, and then Isaiah Jackson. Um, you know, he he wasn't asked to to sh- you know shoot the ball from distance uh, at Kentucky, but you know he made some threes, uh, blocked seven shots in the final game. Is very athletic. Um, you know, those two guys, of course, are are guys you're going to count on moving forward, and that you're going to have. You believe for you know when when you when you have a first round draft pick and, and you, you know you're going to have them for roughly, what, four years um, with that rookie contract, and then you have an opportunity to extend that, or even if you get into restricted free agency, uh, you have a chance to have these guys for five, six, seven years, and that's exciting uh, to have two young players like that. So, you know, what those two guys did, what we saw early from O'Shea Brissett, uh, you know, I thought Kiefer Sykes did a nice job. It, it was good to see them you know win some games but but also to see those two first round draft picks play so well
3: you know Chris there's two different types of people there's the it's just summer league group and then there's that hey I know what I saw the eye test when it came down to Chris Duarte is it safe to say and I know everyone's expectations are different but is it safe to say that he exceeded your expectations with his play
2: yeah, I think I I think so just from the standpoint of of how consistent he was. You know, I I think when he comes out in game 1 um and plays so well, it makes you feel good and then you go can, can he do it again? And can he do it again? Can he do it again? And and I think that's what he did. Um, you know, he was just so good with with how he played, with how he could get shots, with how he could create his own shot, um, you know, came back uh, came down the floor in transition and hit Hit three-point shots. I mean, those are all things that I think when you watch Rick Carlisle teams, um, you know, in the past, whether it be with the Pacers or uh, especially in Dallas, as as the game has changed in the NBA the last few years, you can see how well he's going to fit in. And and then on the Isaiah Jackson thing, um, I, I mean, you guys have watched a lot of Pacers over the years. How many times have you seen? You know, guys go to the rim for alley-oops, just not very often, right? And and so to have somebody like that, um, you know, with that type of athleticism that is only going to get better, uh, just makes you feel real good. And and, and you're right. I mean, it's always hard to read um, a lot through summer league because of, you know, some teams, you know, some teams are, uh, you know, playing – NBA-level players. I mean, Kenneth Farid was out there, Michael Beasley, Emmanuel Moutier. I mean, these are guys that that are veterans in the NBA, and I thought the two rookies in, in that standpoint played
1: really well. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah Jackson, <laughs> he is someone that has really impressed me. I wasn't sure why the Pacers drafted. Not another big, but it just kind of caught me a little bit off guard to see them trade all the way up to 22 to get another guy that is viewed by a lot of people as a center. I do think the Pacers think, They can play him at four sometimes too, which I'm excited to see him grow as a player, but definitely the athleticism we need on this Pacers team because we have to just get better in that area. But I'm curious, um, during draft night, I am sure you saw my overreactions or heard them on the podcast. (laughs) It was, it was not pretty. I have been getting blasted pretty much every day or anytime Chris Duarte played in summer league, someone was like, Oh, you still think it was sick to your stomach, Alex, you know, but, uh, I'm just curious on draft night, you got, you were at the live party, I believe in Carmel, Indiana. What was the reaction like there? Uh, most of the reaction I thought was pretty
2: solid. You, you have to remember guys, I, I've done these draft parties over time. And if I go back to 2010, when the Pacers drafted Paul George, um, I'm going to say half the half bankers life Fieldhouse that night, they didn't even know who Paul George was. And I think that's, turned out to be a pretty good draft pick for the Pacers as well, you know, what Paul has done in the NBA. So um, I, I think a lot of people, um, at, at that point, you knew it was either going to be, in, in my opinion, it was going to be Moody, Duarte, Kispert, right? Those were sort of the three names in there. Uh, Davion Mitchell had already been taken by Sacramento. Um, I was fortunate enough to attend Duarte's workout and watch Duarte in that six man workout. And I came away very impressed. And I could tell that the Pacers front office staff was very impressed. And that the scouts who had scouted him, uh, you know, had done their due diligence. There was just a lot of buy-in on Chris Duarte. So in the back of my mind, I I thought there was no doubt that that's who they were gonna take. And, uh, you know, I, I think Moody, what he did at Arkansas as a freshman, you know, he's an outstanding talent. I mean, you know, at that position at 13, you're going to get a pretty good player. I just feel like they felt like they knew exactly what they could get in Chris Duarte, what they could get in now and how he could grow. Um, You know, I I read Scott Agnes's piece with Chad Buchanan from Fieldhouse Files in his comments about Duarte. And they said, you know, he's never been a McDonald's all American. Well, we, while he was a high level junior college player, I mean, this is a young man that came from the Dominican Republic, you know, and didn't really start playing basketball until he was 16 or 17. So the guy has a real hunger uh, to get better. And so I think, I think that's why they went with him. And, and I think, you know, as we've watched him, I think now you understand why the Pacers drafted him.
3: Yeah, I am starting to understand why the Pacers drafted him. I mean, he looks NBA ready right now. Great confidence. He can create his own shot, but Chris, pretty much everyone outside of you, Quinn, and JJ are competing for minutes in the rotation. Do you see Duarte (laughs) as someone that can crack the rotation early on in the season?
2: Well, if you look at the roster right now, I mean, you know, losing Doug McDermott, him signing free agency in San Antonio, you know, that opens up an opportunity, right? Part of what we've looked at, it's it's hard to know – because you're looking at a group that has not been healthy. If we look at the starting five um, that we, we all think it will be, which is Lavert, Brogdon, Sabonis, Turner, and Warren, and then you go to the backups, right? You go to that reserve group led by T.J. McConnell, who's re-signed. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Goga Bataze, and it was unfortunate that he was not able to play in summer league. Uh, Jeremy Lamb is back, Justin Holiday, Chris Duarte, um, Isaiah Jackson, maybe in the, to start out in the Jakar Sampson role, right? I, I just think part of it is you know in an 82-game season you are going to have guys that are going to miss time. It's just the way it is. You hope it's not as much time as what we've seen the Pacers missed, miss in the last few years because of injuries. But I think the way that Rick Carlisle will play – he's really going to manage some minutes. And he's even talked in, in in how he would utilize the bigs. Yes, they'd start together, but he can stagger them a little bit so that he gets the most benefit out of both of them when they play together or when they play separate. And if that's the case, there's ample opportunity
1: for a guy like Chris Duarte to fit in. Yeah, I, I think Goga could, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what happens with Goga. I'm not I'm not sold on him being a part of the rotation going into the season. I mean, I I could see where there's a case where they want to get him some minutes to see what he does, but at the same time, if Carlisle plans on staggering Domas and Miles quite a bit, I don't really see where you would fit in, go get into that rotation. But I'm, I've am i got my eyes glued on that because there was some really impressive play from O'Shea said once again in summer league. I know he didn't shoot the ball incredibly well, but... I think he led the summer league in free throws attempted or something like that. So really getting to the line, this is a guy that stepped up last year and looked really good for the final part of the season last year. So what are your expectations for O'Shea heading into this next season?
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't even mention him, did I? I mean, that's, uh, I I thought he was fantastic. I mean, to come in the way he came in late in the year and to put up the numbers that he was putting up, uh, you know, double doubles on a, on a fairly regular basis. Uh, shooting the three-point shot the way he did, um, he, I think he gives this new coaching staff all kinds of opportunities in how you want to use him. Um, I think we we all would know that he, you know, is, is a four, but I think he can slide to play the three. I mean, you're seeing so much though in the NBA. If you have some injuries or or situations, you you can go to the small ball. I mean, O'Shea Brissett was playing the five at times last year because of all the injuries they had when Sabonis was out and Turner was out. Um, so I think, I, I think he fits in as well. I mean, I think what we have to look at, guys, is the regular season is different than the postseason. You are going to play more people in the regular season because it's long. It's 82 games. I mean, we saw that. Let's look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Bryn Forbes, who is now back in San Antonio, I thought was a critical part of their bench during the regular season. But if you go to the NBA Finals, he didn't play that much because Mike Budenholzer was using you know, a rotation of about seven, maybe eight. Because in the Finals or in the playoffs, you're going to ride the guys that need to play the most minutes. So I sort of separate things out that you have a regular season rotation and then you have a playoff rotation. Now you're hoping you get to the playoffs so you can use that rotation. But I don't think Rick Carlisle will hesitate to use many more players in the regular season in a rotation than he would if he got to the postseason.
3: You know, when you, when you bring up Carlisle right now, people are quick to forget that that really was the Pacers' splash this offseason, bringing in a future Hall of Fame coach, an NBA champion, a guy that is going on his third stint now with the Pacers, which you just got to love. But is it, what's your thoughts on what Carlisle is going to bring to the table after what we just went through, unfortunately, last year?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing will be the, the focus on the defense. I, you know, I, I think where Nate Bjorkran got into trouble, um, I, I was a big proponent of when, when he came that he brought a Toronto philosophy. But I think what happened is he tried to force that Toronto philosophy on a group of players that didn't necessarily match, especially defensively, the way you need to play. And so I think what Rick Carlisle has said is when people have asked, well, you know, how, how can you implement your system? And he has said, look, I really don't have a system. I take the players that I have and build a system around them. And so I think especially on the defensive end, that's what needs to happen is you, you look at the personnel that you have and then you, 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 you make your adjustments defend, defensively there. Because guys, look, you know, two years ago, and I know Dan Burke was an assistant under Nate McMillan, but this team was sixth or seventh in defensive efficiency, and then the next year, last year, they struggled with basically the same personnel. Now, was the defense poor because of individuals were poor? Maybe. Maybe they didn't quite play each individual the way they should have. But but I tended to think as the season moved along, it, it was more the style of defense that we're playing that didn't really mesh with the personnel, so I think from that standpoint, um, I think they will have a base defense that they can really rely on. I think the Pacers last year got caught in playing far too many defenses. Some of them were gimmicky, uh, you know. Some of them just, quite frankly, didn't work. So I, I think Rick will come in knowing that this team has to get back, uh, you know, to, to playing defense at a higher level. I'm very confident in what he'll be able to do offensively. I think he's got some highly skilled offensive players, but it'll really be all about the defense and what changes they make in that area that I think will
1: impact the team. Yeah, I I think you're 100% right. It was really just Bjorkren trying to implement that Toronto philosophy with a roster That really didn't match what Toronto did, especially the year they won the championship. I mean, the Pacers, unfortunately, they just weren't athletic enough to compete with that team or do the same things that those teams did. They could have competed, but in different ways and playing a different style. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for Bjorkman. A lot of things happened last year. I know that the Pacers probably would like to move on and not remember that season. It was a bit of a letdown. But I have to ask, because Kevin Pritchard brought this man up several times in his end-of-season press conference, T.J. Warren. And you talk about it, not having T.J. Warren last season really did hurt the defense. A lot of the things that I thought the Pacers could benefit from in trying to play more of the Raptors' style is playing T.J. Warren more maybe at the four, or just utilizing him a little bit more in a different way than McMillan had. But what are your expectations for T.J. Warren this upcoming season?
2: Well, two years ago, I mean, and we can look at the bubble, I mean, he was probably the Pacers' best player. Averaged Mm -hmm. about 20 points per game. Um, you know, came to Indiana and almost had like a Boyan Bogdanovich year, right? Remember, Boyan came and much was made that this guy can't defend. Um, and I thought Boyan did a really good job of, of having a well-rounded game. And I think that's what we saw two years ago with TJ. And then, of course, he played four games and we never saw him again. So um, I, I think this is a guy that... You know, if you add in LeVert and and you have all of these guys that can create your own shot, all of a sudden you get much more difficult to defend. And I I think that'll be a big case for the Pacers. I mean, so many people, and again, I'm 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 looking ahead because last year did not taste good for anyone, not being in the postseason or being in the playoffs. But you know, playoff basketball is different when and if you can get there. And I think the Pacers having like Warren and Lavert and, and Duarte and, you know, Brogdon and these guys that can do some things where they can create their own shot that, that gives you a much better chance to advance in the postseason and, um, you know, having, having a group back. And again, it's all predicated on health, having a group back that is healthy, that you can count on those guys on a night in night out basis, I think will be huge. And I think Warren Warren is a huge asset to this franchise. This is a big year for him. What it's a contract year, right guys? It's the final year of his contract. Um, I expect, you know, we'll see how they manage him in the preseason. Um, what he had a tweet last week or so that said basketball is fun, right? He said something like that. And I think it was the first time we've really seen him on social media, you know, let everybody know that he's back. And and we don't know at what level that he's doing things. Uh, He was out in California with his teammates working out. But it it seems like when he posted that tweet, it was very positive in saying, hey, basketball is fun again. I'm back.
3: TJ Warren, very much a man of few words. So when he speaks, it's important to listen because – I completely agree. Something like that, that small tweet, it it tells a lot that I feel like he's probably feeling real good, feeling healthy, playing basketball, excited to be back. And it gets me even more excited to see him back on that court. Now, when you mentioned the health of this team, it's been the common thing we've heard now for the last few years. They got to stay healthy. They got to stay healthy. Well, in free agency, one of the first things they did was they brought back TJ McConnell. How vital do you think it was to bring
2: back TJ to this court? Well, I, I just think, uh, I mean, he's a guy that can definitely be a leader, and I can, i think he can even be more of a leader now that there's a commitment on both sides. He really wanted to be in Indianapolis. He wanted be, to be a member of the Pacers, and clearly the Pacers showed him how, how much he means to them. So I, I think he's huge for that second unit. Um, I think you'll see him, you know, play down the stretch at times, just as we saw this year, because you can – put him on the ball and you can take Brogdon and put him off the ball. You guys were saying you could go small uh, with one of the bigs uh, Warren at the four Levert at the three Brogdon McConnell throw in Brissett. I mean, you have a lot of opportunity uh, to, to, you know, create um, you know, a five that is, is, is different from what may be a traditional starting lineup. So uh, I just thought he was, it was a huge uh, signing. Um, we had a chance to visit with TJ uh, at that announcement. He looks incredible as far as what kind of shape he's in. I almost didn't recognize him. He was he was thinner but stronger, and uh, had a chance to visit with his dad, who was his high school coach, and they have been working out together six days a week. And his dad told me, "Wait till you see his three point shot. That's the one thing that he knows." can really improve his game when he can become more of a threat out uh, from three-point range. So I'm really, really anxious to see T.J. once camp starts because he has
1: really worked hard uh, back in Pittsburgh this summer. That's fantastic to hear. And another guy that we saw working out in Dallas, Rick Carlisle, joined him was Miles Turner. This is a guy that I think a lot of fans maybe have anticipated might be on the move for the last couple of seasons. I know we talked about it because we just felt like if they're going to move one of the bigs, it makes more sense to move the guy that's not been the two-time All-Star. But here, Turner Raisin, he really is a good part of this team, and he does a lot of good things this team needs in terms of rim protection and being able to step out and hit that three on the offensive end. Can you talk about Miles a little bit, why fans love him so much, and kind of how he's really had to be the guy that to sacrifice the most on this roster?
2: You're you're right. I mean, and and I think you know a number of the coaches and his teammates have even said that over the years that you know, especially from an offensive end, he's he's probably sacrificed the most. But I but I think a creative coach like Rick Carlisle can can use him in in many different roles. His ability to shoot the three, I thought last year, uh, you know, from a Nate Orcon standpoint offensively, I thought he was able to be creative and use Miles, and I thought Miles was a lot more. Um, you know, confident in driving to the basket. I mean, he's not a back-to-the-basket guy. We know that. But I thought he put the ball on the floor and, and got to the rim and, and was able to be creative in, in, in that way. Um, but but I, I, expect, I expect good things from Miles. Um, I, I think part of the reason he resonates with the fan base is, you know, he's real. Um, you know, I, I, social media, I mean, he's engaging, Um, you know, he has a really good personality. He he he's one of us, if you will, you know, even though you know I'm 60 years old, the guy's what 25, 26, you know, I could be his dad. I mean, there's just a relationship that that I think he has with the Pacers front office, uh, with the fans, that he's all in it. You know, he he wants to win, he wants to, you know, bring the Pacers back to glory, if you will. So um, you know, I'm a big Miles fan. Um, I I think he's worked awfully hard. I mean, if you think about it, I I remember when he was drafted, uh, J.J., Jeremiah Johnson, and I had driven from Cleveland um, to Pittsburgh to watch Butler play Texas. And, you know, you guys know and the listeners know I was the longtime voice of Butler. So I still have a a huge, uh, you know, part of my life and a soft spot in my heart for Butler basketball, and they were playing Texas. And Miles had like two points against Butler that night. And uh, I remember a lot of people when we drafted Miles, they were like, well, gee, you only scored two points against Butler. I said, yeah, but if you watched, you know, I'm not sure Rick Barnes knew how to use him. And so I think Miles has always had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Um, and uh, I, I just think, you know, coming off that toe injury and, and, and being ready to go with a new coaching staff, um, I, I expect really good things out of Miles this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard to not root for Miles because it just feels like, like you mentioned, the guy who sacrificed the most, unfortunately gets the most slander, I feel like, on social media when it's not deserved. So it's always great to see him just doing well, putting in the work and succeeding. I thought he had a great year last year, but I wanted to bring up some interesting comments that happened um, recently. Isaiah Thomas during one of the summer league games, I don't know if you heard, but he had mentioned that he thinks if he stayed in Indiana, uh, prior to you know, Rick Cardall joining as head coach, he thinks that the Pacers would have won the NBA finals. Any anything there to, you know, digest a bit?
2: No, uh, I mean, I I I wasn't watching. I mean, I I watched. Um I, I almost that night with that game I had to turn down the sound. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, I you know, I mean, we all know how talented that team was. Um, you know that 161 games and then the next year before you know what happened in Detroit um, I, I I think it's easy for Isaiah to say that but um, you know I think Rick did a pretty good job I mean I G- he did too I mean Rick won 61 games and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, the year that Detroit won um, and then the next year probably had one of the best teams in the NBA um, I come on, Isaiah. I mean, I, you know, that,
1: I, uh, I don't, I don't I think, think we're all in agreement. I don't think Chris. I can buy I, that.
3: I think we're all in agreement here. I don't think anyone's buying it.
1: No, uh, that cracked me up. Putting, putting Chris on the spot there.
3: <laughs> Sorry for the hot seat. <laughs> well, that's all
1: right. That's all right. Come on, Isaiah. I like that. That's a, that's a good way to wrap this conversation up. But I do have to ask you before we let you go, are you going to be able to be in all of the arenas this season? Great
2: question. Uh, Do not know yet. Okay, Uh, We do not know as far as, um, you know, what's going to happen as far as the regional sports networks. And that will be more of a uh, Sinclair or Diamond sports group decision that they, they own Valley sports, Indiana, and not a Pacers decision. Um, You know, right now, major league baseball, none, at least with Valley sports, none of those regional networks are traveling. Okay. Now, there have been some dugout reporters traveling, but the play-by-play and the analysts are doing things remotely. Um, so we really don't know. Um, we know the schedule is coming out very shortly. Um, and, you know, so I- I'm, a, I- I'm this way, guys. You know, I have a great job, right? I mean, many, many people would trade, trade me for this job, whether I get to do games in visiting arenas or in a studio at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. So however we get to do it, I'm happy to do that. Um, Hopefully we will at least be able to be in the Ascension St. Vincent Center for practice and be around the players and be around the coaches because those those are the things that you miss. Those are the opportunities when you, you build a relationship with the players and you build a relationship with the coaches. You know, the good news is, um, I've been able to be in the uh, practice facility a little bit this summer. so I've been able to see, uh, I saw GoGo. I saw TJ McConnell was able to interact a little bit with Rick Carlisle. So to me, that is as important as anything. And if we're able to do the games uh, at Madison Square Garden or in Miami or Dallas or wherever, um, you know that'll be that'll be a bonus. I'm, I'm sure hoping we can get back to normal. But at this point, uh, we're still unsure of how that all is going to shake out.
3: Well, we're looking forward to it. We miss you at the games and, and all of that. I mean, just it's something you look forward to when you're watching Pacer games. But, Chris, as we sign off, tell everyone where they can find you on uh, social media, and is there any good causes that maybe you want to promote?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I, um, you can find me on Twitter, at Kristen Airy. I'm on Facebook. I don't really have it blocked. Anybody can get there. I am on Instagram, Kristen Airy. My kids laugh at me because i'm rarely on instagram i should probably get on it more i'm more more of a twitter guy i mean just because that's how i tend to get all my news and my information uh, those types of things Um, you know all of us are dog owners Uh, i'm very involved um, with the uh, humane society here in hamilton county Uh, many people of course watch the Connecticut commercials and they see our two rescue dogs bailey Um, and Walter, and uh, they've had a great summer. Um, I've also, um, I'm starting to get involved a little bit. I emceed an event uh, for a group called A Kid Again. And um, it was here um, in Noblesville. Um, They have an Indianapolis location. And what it is, it's it's, uh, a group that sort of like Make-A-Wish, does things for kids with cancer, this does um opportunities and experiences for kids that have suffered life-threatening illness or those types of things and they create experiences um for families so it's not just the child that is going to go to disney world or the child that's going to go to a pacers game or a colts game it's the entire family and so that's something that i've learned more about here really just this summer Um, Thad Mata, the longtime Ohio state coach who I worked with at Butler. Um, I emceeded an event for his wife, Barb, a few weeks ago, and it really opened my eyes to this group and this, um, uh, this, uh, you know, charitable group. And so I'm, I'm hoping I'm able to do a little bit more with this group called a kid again.
3: Amazing stuff, Chris, uh, looking forward to it. And guys, if you ever have any, you want any more information, make sure to tweet at them.
1: I'm happy to answer. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a break and we will be right back after this.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. Support your journey to wellness at b i o p t i m i z e r s dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: All right, everybody! Great episode today. Love Chris Canary. Always a pleasure talking to him with, him, and just a guy for for hanging on an extra thirty minutes tonight and letting Fachi finish up his work call.
3: Hey, always a pleasure having Chris on there. Always just great catching up and. uh, there's a lot to unpack since we hadn't spoke with him in, in a while, but, you know, hey, always a, a familiar voice that you love to hear.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next week as well. We're going to have Scott Agnes join the podcast Monday. Scott always does a terrific job covering the Pacers. We'll ask him some questions about the offseason, get his thoughts on things, and some potential moves they can make going forward. But Fachi, I have to ask you this is a non Pacers related question, but are you much of a pop or a soda drinker? I am
3: not. Actually, I don't drink any soda at all.
1: When did you go away from that?
3: Never, never started. That's, oh, I've never had a cavity in my life. And I, <laughs> I, I relate that to not being a soda drinker early okay. on.
1: Okay. Well, I just wanted to say Mountain Dew has been pumping out some new flavors and I don't know if you've seen them advertised anywhere you go, but I have a problem. Fauci. I am addicted to the raspberry lemonade Mountain Dew that has come out. It might be my favorite drink of all time now. I'm Ooh. usually like a Coke, Mr. Pibb, that kind of guy. But this, I don't even like lemonade that much usually. I think lemonade makes me more thirsty. But the Raspberry Lemonade Mountain Dew Special Edition, I've in so many at Speedway, I got a free one today.
3: Oh, my. Wow. They must know you. You're a regular. <laughs> all right. But, I mean, raspberry <laughs> lemonade does sound really appealing, though.
1: Yeah. As a soda, too. It's a different thing. But it's like 77 grams of sugar, 77 Whoa, carbs, all right. and like 290 calories. So it's like, gotta not drink them very often. I've been trying to hold myself to just like maybe a couple a week, but I gotta wean off that. Coke Zero is what I've been using as a substitute. They just updated their flavor. So uh, I'm a pop drinker, soda drinker, Coke drinker, whatever you call it. Um, I know there's so many different terminologies based on where you live, but. Anyway, had to get that off my chest. I didn't know if you tried it. I didn't think you were a pop drinker. You've got that wedding bod coming in into in style here, Foch. I was there before, so I know exactly hey, how you hey, feel. Hey, <laughs> if I ever need a free one, I'll say I'm with Alex Golden, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Fochie, as we wrap today's show, can you tell the people where they can find us out on social media?
3: So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3.
1: You can find Alex on
3: Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I.
1: And you can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. All right, everybody. We're looking forward to talking to you next week. But if you can't wait till next week, hit us up on social media. We'll always reply to your questions and end your conversations with Fachi. If you're a fan of the Indiana Pacers and Chris Denary, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! I I didn't know what was going through my mind. Paul was telling me in the beginning, so I had to do something to stop him. And then uh, he turns around and hit the three-point in my face. So I think I did that all for nothing. Now, I think I'm just going to take everything. I'm going to take his shorts off, everything, socks, sneakers, everything.
4: I'm so sorry to humiliate you
1: on TV by pulling your shorts down. I won't do it again.